0: The scripture this morning is Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, "Mortal." and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, and I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the prophecy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, A vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortals, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore, prophesying, say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves. O my people, I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from the graves. O my people, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. This is a word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. It has been
1: seven and a half months, or 32 weeks, or 223 days, or 5,352 hours, and I won't go any lower than that, Since we last joined together in worship in this space, welcome home. We have been through one of the most horrendous seasons in recent human history, and truth be told, it's still not really over. We're just finding new ways to cope with it. But this day, this worship service symbolizes one thing that we must acknowledge as truth beyond other truths. God's love remains. God's spirit sustains. God's faithfulness is unchanged. God's goodness will carry us through every aching pain. And God is with us in this moment. I'm reminded right now of a a famous poem. You, You might have heard of it, but it reads, One night I dreamed a dream As I was walking along the beach with my Lord Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life, and for each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand, and I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. And this really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said, once I decided to follow you, that you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. And he whispered. My precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never, ever, during your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. This poem is titled Footprints in the Sand. The author is disputed, but it is a poem that recognizes that As we, in our present time, have walked through what we might call the wilderness or even a valley of dry bones, it might be easy for us to ask where God has been through it all. But we were never left alone. In fact, God certainly carried us through much of it. How else could we have gotten this far? We still had to contend, however, with the scene before us. A scene symbolized by our text today, the Valley of Dry Bones. Um, As Miss Frances, you know, read our scripture lesson this morning, as she was uh, coming into church, she said, this is just a horrible scripture verse. Because it's dark, it is, it's really dark. The Valley of Dry Bones. Ezekiel is brought in a vision We recognize it's a vision um, later on, but Ezekiel is brought in a vision to this valley. And as he looks out with the Spirit of the Lord beside him, he sees a valley filled with dry bones. And this is very descriptive here because dry bones tell us that there is no hope left. There is no semblance of life left. Dry bones, that's about as lost from life as any creature can get. But in this valley, or as he stares out across this valley, Ezekiel has to contend with the fact that in this moment, there was so much so obviously lost. A battlefield, it seems, And as we hear later, God describes that this, he says, is the whole house of Israel, a valley of dry bones, a place of desolation, where hope is lost. And in the midst of this great despair, where life could not be found, dry bones, there's nothing left on them, God asks Ezekiel a simple question. Can these bones live? In other words, is there any hope for this people looking out at this valley of dry bones? And the answer to any normal person, especially if you ask any person in the medical field to look out at a valley of dry bones and ask, can these bones live? The answer is, of course not. That doesn't happen. That's the end right there. It doesn't go in reverse, it's it's just that, all hope lost. But Ezekiel, when asked this question, can these bones live, Ezekiel presses his luck and turns the question back on God. You know the answer, you're God after all, what do you think? We need to take a moment here and ask, why? is this question and its subsequent answer important? One word, hope. This question and its answer are so important because what comes of them is hope. And hope is so critical to our lives because if there is no hope, then what is the point of it all? And so God asked this question to see if Ezekiel can recognize any hope. And of course, from a human point of view, there is no hope. It's a valley of dry bones. That's about as hopeless as it gets. But Ezekiel knows that he's not dealing with a human. He's dealing with the author of hope. In such a desperate situation, God alone can be that hope. We just have to be willing to step into it as Ezekiel eventually does, but sometimes our situation gets the better of us. As they look out across this valley of dry bones, God recognizes the whole house of Israel crying out in verse 11. Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Does this phrase sound familiar? Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are completely cut off. Perhaps not word for word familiar, but there have been times over the past seven and a half months, 5,332 hours, that I have certainly felt that our hope was in some way, shape, or form lost. Israel, in this time, in this season uh, where Ezekiel is, had entered into a season here that seemed completely hopeless. A time of despair. Ezekiel, I haven't gotten to do this in a while. Man, it does just step out here. Ezekiel is a prophet to the people of Israel uh, during... Mm, early 500s, probably around 580 BCE. And this this is a particularly trying time for the people of Israel because what has happened is they have been faced first with the Assyrian army that decimated the northern kingdom of Israel but couldn't overcome the southern kingdom. Then the Babylonian army, which finally was able to conquer the southern kingdom of Judah, And all of Israel is sent into what we call the diaspora, the dispersion, the exile. Some are taken captive into slavery into Babylon. Others are scattered across the the land as far as they could go, trying to find some amount of hope. But there is very little hope when anyone has been taken away from what they know, when anyone has been left without the normal, quarantined, in fact. There is a struggle for hope. And so Ezekiel comes as the prophet during this time to try to restore that hope. And it doesn't go very well at first because how can it? How can Israel possibly return home How can Israel possibly be found back to normal? Well, the sad truth, and I say sad, but it becomes better, is that they don't get to return to normal. They return to something new, something different, something they didn't really expect. But it does happen. They are able to return. And it is by the goodness of God that we have symbolized here in our text today we need to recognize that in this moment, right where we are in this passage, Israel is left without hope. Israel was far from home, very far from home. Israel was left begging for a return to normal. Israel was left longing for a homecoming. Then, enter God. God declares, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord. This passage here gives us that hope. Because even in a moment of absolute hopelessness, God tells the people, I'm not done with you yet. Though it may seem completely desolate and hopeless, God says, your situation will not dictate your end. Instead, God will dictate our beginning. After all, that is the business that God is in creation, life, transformation. The action here, as God declares, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live, is reminiscent of Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when God creates humanity. God takes dust, dirt from the ground and forms it into a human being. But even then, it is just an entity, almost like an object. And it's not until God breathes the breath of life, the Hebrew word for breath is ruah, which is in fact the exact same word translated here as spirit. When God says, I will put my spirit within you, it's God saying, I will put my breath within you, the very breath of life, and you shall live. The one thing that we can be sure of when God breathes new life is that something marvelous is about to happen. When God first did it, it was all of creation. And sure enough, not long after Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones returning to life in the breath of God, Israel is freed from bondage and is able to return home. But here's the thing, it's not something that Israel could have done alone. It is something that Israel needed God for. It was by the Spirit of God, not Israel that provided new life and brought them home, their hope and ours rests solely with the Lord. We too have to come to the other side of a valley of dry bones, a hopeless situation. And while we may not be out of the woods yet, We can see the revitalizing effects of God's Spirit moving in and among us. New life is coming, and we are coming home. So in this moment of homecoming, my challenge for each and every one of us is that we live into this new life that God provides, not run from it. Let us indeed find hope, not in our situation, but in God. And as we celebrate a reunion here in this sanctuary and in this moment of worship, let us give all thanks to God who has brought us home and grants us new life. After all, it is this God who carried us in the times we thought we were walking alone. And Let us pray together.